All right, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Bullpen Blues. As always, I'm your co-host, Kevin Dixon, joined by our good buddy, David Esser. David, how are we doing? Yeah, good morning, Kevin. Um, morning, Neil. Just want to, you know, kind of express, I've always been a diehard Yankees fan. Um, oh, it, was, it was it was awesome watching our boy Giancarlo Stan beat the Braves last oh, night. So uh, match great. Uh, his one homer was ridiculous. Um, but yeah, great day for the city of New York last night. Real real fun. I saw this stat, and I wish I could find it now, um, but I didn't realize that we were in start. So it was on me. Um, he has the hardest hit ball in like eleven of the thirty stadiums. Insane. But nobody hits the ball harder than that guy. He had like a 122-mile-an-hour ground out last week. Can you imagine trying to field that? He's a, he's a strong dude. And this is way off topic. But it was something I wanted to bring up uh, before we jump into the Phillies, start talking about kind of where they stand. Like, the Yankees crushed the trade deadline. Like, yeah, geez. I mean, they are 21 games over 500. There was a point where we thought they were like, done that they were going to sell and they brought in Rizzo and they brought in Gallo and they're one of the best teams in the American league. Um, and I think, I think it's just cool to see because you combine that with the trade deadline that the Dodgers had. I mean, they've been what 12 and two since Trey Turner was activated. Um, Max Scherz, we know what he brings to the table. Like very rarely do you see two teams get that much better from the trade deadline. Um, I just think it's like, I think we're going to look back at this deadline in 10 years and be like, wow, that was one of the biggest trade deadlines in baseball history. Well, I do want to mention as well, um, I'm so damn bad about the Yankees that before the deadline, um, now I work for a sports book. Um, I do bet uh, up here and there. So I'm, I'm, I look at the lines a lot. I remember I was looking at the, the Phillies division line. I forget what it was at the time. Uh, but I looked, at, I looked at the World Series lines. And at that point in time, I, I forget what their record was. This was right before the deadline. The Yankees were 50-1 to 1 to win the World Series. Um, now, I couldn't tell you exactly what they are off the top of my head. I'm going to probably guess they're 10-1. to 1. Uh, After the deadline, they were like 17-1. to 1, So it changed that drastically. And I was kind of just like, man. Because at the time, I'm like, 50-1, to 1, that seems like crazy value. That's $20 to win 1000 um, and I didn't take it, and now I'm like, man, <laughs> like that seems like such a layup now. Like looking back, even if like they don't win, fifty to one. So I think I really appreciate you reminding me how well they've been playing in the second half. Uh, <laughs> thanks a lot, man. They've been they've been good. I don't think they're gonna win the World Series. They don't have enough pitching. That's incredible um, value, though. That is incredible that's, that's value. value. They are. Um, they are. You did mention the Dodgers as well, which. Like you said, this is off topic, but it makes me want to mention. Actually, it's really not off topic because it, it transitions right into where we're getting to. Uh, the Padres are on the other end of that spectrum, David, as they have just completely free fallen. And for as aggressive as they've been in the last two years, I'm actually pretty satisfied to see what's going on right now um, because, you know, I've kind of been a guy who's pushed back at times. Like, man, they are really just going all in. Uh, when they had the Scherzer deal, in place that they never that never happened before we went to LA. Uh, I remember just being like, they're doing all this just to lose in the wild card round. Well, David, they might not even get to the wild card now, as they are just completely falling on their face. 
Yeah, did you see they uh, they fired their pitching coach? The other yeah, day? with five weeks left in the season. That's very 2019 Phillies-esque, bringing in uh, Uncle Charlie. Yeah, they are, they are very much panicking. I mean, they signed Jake Arrieta, who pitched about three innings, and then went to the IL with arm tightness or whatever he wants to call it. Um, they, fought, they, they signed Arietta who flopped, and then they fired their pitching coach. It's like, well, did you think he was going to have success? I think the pitching coach did a great job that Arietta only gave up like four runs in two innings or whatever it was. Yeah, it should yeah, be a win. That's, that's impressive for uh, old Jakey boy these days. Um, yeah, Padres, Padres are an interesting team because, you know, you look at the roster on paper, very good. Um, obviously, they've dealt with a ton of injuries um, towards the top of the league in terms of games missed due to the IL. They might be first, actually, the last time I checked. Um, you know, tons of tons of national hype. I mean, if I have a few friends who are baseball fans but not diehard baseball fans, and all they want to talk about is Tatis and Machado and how they're the greatest players alive. And, and then you look at the Padres, and, yeah, they're, they're tumbling right on out of the, uh, the wild card race, which, again, segues – beautifully uh the phillies kevin they they caught the padres at the right time they they took two or three they won this series um and it's probably the most disheartening series win the phillies yes. had in the last <laughs> decade um that was only, only the phillies can win the series and have you being like seriously yeah, it was, and I, so, you know, obviously we're all talking about Aaron Nola uh, took a perfect game into the seventh inning, took a perfect game into the seventh inning, um, was ruined by a Brad Miller error, things got out of control, they were still in line to win it, Aaron Nola on his 117th pitch with two outs, gave up a home run, and went to extras, the Phillies lose, and I remember after that game, like, I had no words, I remember Kevin was texting me all Very upset. Up, and I just had nothing very, to say, I was just very like, upset. I don't know. They they lost. You said I'm going to bed. I'm going to bed. Like, I I got nothing here. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talks of Joe Girardi should have pulled him. He probably should have. Like, he definitely should have put the closer definitely in. Um, you know, to me, I kind of look at a game like that. And it's like, man, imagine the momentum if Aaron Nola throws a complete game and beats the Padres in San Diego. They were so close. They fall one pitch short. Luckily, Kyle Gibson kind of steadied the ship the next day. Kevin, big takeaways from the series. What do you got? Now, getting into that second game, before we do, the first night, Phillies win another Matt Moore start, which he's done a lot this year. I don't know how. You know, it's very, very on brand for the Phillies to win that game and then lose the next day on Nola's outing. Uh, Harper hit a homer in game one that I don't think's landed. Um, Basically, it was just a nice win in that first game of the series. The second game, uh, Dubal Herrera hits a missile to start. They lead the entire way. You, you mentioned the Brad Miller error. Ah, what a – David, it was a ground ball right to him. Like, right to him. I, I don't understand how you mishandle that. To ruin a perfect game, very Phillies-esque. Uh, he gives up the he gives up a hit later that inning, but the, uh, they get out of it. He keeps moving. I I don't. You mentioned he shouldn't have been in the game. I do agree. At that point in time, he shouldn't have been. I agree with letting him start the ninth inning. Yeah, because he pitched so well, he only gave up one hit to that point. He was just absolutely cruising. Um, I agree with the idea of, you know, think of what this will do for Aaron Nola. 
Um, if you if he can go on and pitch the complete game and Phillies win, rebound after a hard series in Arizona, which we didn't even mention. I, I don't even want to talk about that, to be honest with you. But uh, after he walked Tatis, that's where I was like, okay, he should come out, go to your bullpen. He's clearly he's worn down. Um, he's at 110-plus pitches at this point. We're past the point in the year where we're trying to build somebody's confidence. That's how I kind of was viewing it. Um, would it have been great if he would have finished the game? Of course, it would absolutely would have been fantastic. But it's more about winning the game right now than it is about getting Aaron Nola his complete game. And that's kind of where I felt that the Phillies' priorities lied. They were trying to get Aaron Nola that complete game so he could feel really good. I would push back and say if he goes eight and two-thirds and gives up one hit, how can you not feel good about that kind of outing? Instead, he gives up a two-run homer that ties the game, and it it alters the entire weekend. The Phillies win the series, but they lose a game that that's a backbreaking loss uh, because they they lose that they win that series, but they they lose ground in the standings over the weekend, even while winning two out of three. That's just where we're at in the year. It's you got to win the games, and I just felt that's why they traded for a closer. That was the whole reason Kennedy's here is for those spots. So, um, but. They rebound on Sunday because they're the Phils. That's why they've been hovering around 500 all year. They're able to get up when when people knock them down, but they just can't maintain any type of success. So um, that's why they're 63 and 61 right now. And after winning eight in a row, what are they? Uh, three and ten. I don't know the exact number, but it's not good. But disappointing weekend, even while winning two or three. I want to transition into some Ian Kennedy talk and some Kyle Gibson talk here in a second, um, you know, kind of reflect on that trade a few weeks post-deadline. Last point on Nola, and it really, really sucks that he wasn't able to get that win. Um, yeah. You know, and after thinking about about it for a few days, I probably agree with you. I think they should have gone to the bullpen and said, hey, Nola, you gave us eight and two-thirds against one of the yeah. best teams in baseball. You're a superstar, you know with your family in attendance on the road, like you rock. Um, I think the one good takeaway is this is two of Nola's last three starts. Yeah. Where he's looked like legitimately the best pitcher in baseball. He did it against the Dodgers for about four innings. Um, and then he did it against the Padres for 116 pitches. Um, he really, Kevin, he had one bad pitch. Yeah. Um, like he, he still one, pitched very well. He pitched he fantastic. One bad pitch. like, yeah, um, he was great. You know, and we've been saying this all year with Nola, you know, can he break out? Can he finally get back to that, you know, 2018, 2020 version of himself that we know is there because the stuff is still nasty. His curveball is still one of the best in baseball. Um, when his two-seam, you know, sinker, when it's moving the way it's moving, it's unhittable. Yep. Uh, Kevin, it does feel like he is due. And again, we've been saying this all year, but it, it feels like we're so close to him piecing together multiple dominant starts in a row if he can give the Phillies you know not that level of production option I mean he's not throwing a near perfect game every time but if he can start giving the Phillies seven you know six and two thirds eight innings um every time he takes them out they'll have a chance of sneaking their way back into the playoff conversation if he can't do that they're gonna have zero chance um so it's at least promising that we're starting to see kind of vintage Nola creep through again yeah, um, and I even I think you could argue uh, the Miller error kind of set the tone for the remainder of that game. I mean, if he makes that play, David, then there's an out in the seventh. 
Nova's still like under like 70 pitches at that point. Like he was cruising. Like that that changes everything. Drives the pitch count up, more stress on Aaron's arm. Um, who knows? I mean, it's one of those, you know, what if Miller makes that play in the seventh? It seems so minuscule considering it's a couple innings difference, but I mean, he probably threw an extra 20 pitches in that seventh inning because of that error. Who knows where the, where they end up? But So they, they win two out of three in San Diego after getting swept by Arizona. Um, possibly the most predictable series win of the season. Like, of course, of course they were going to win that series after they just got swept by Arizona. But ultimately, David, this stretch coming up now where they have Arizona for four, um, I think they have Washington and Miami. It's like their next 10 games. Eight and two, you know, like we're at the point in the year now where you have to you have to start dominating these bad teams. We keep talking about this poor schedule. It doesn't mean anything if the Phillies don't take advantage. Um, so they just got a big series out of the way with San Diego. Now they got Tampa Bay. These are two of their toughest series, tougher series remaining in terms of talent level. Uh, now that they have to make their move again, like it stinks because we already made our move to the put to the top of the standings and then they fall flat on their face. So um, hopefully we can make our move and then there's just not enough time left in the year for them to fall flat on their face. Now that's the ideal scenario, I think, for the Phils. Yeah, and there's been a lot of talk about the Phillies' easy kind of second-half schedule. Um, that's something that personally – I never put a ton of value in just because I know our Phillies. And you really I, haven't. Uh, they, yeah. They, yeah. they love really to play not. down, um, but then they love to play up to their opponent. I mean, like we saw a completely different ball club in San Diego compared to Arizona, and it's because the lights were on. And they knew they had to up their game. Um, that said, you start looking ahead uh, at the schedule. Arizona for four. You got Washington. You got Miami. You got Colorado for four. You got Chicago. You got Baltimore. You got Pittsburgh for, for four. You got Miami to end the season. Like, there's a lot of, you know, in quotes, layups. Um, but the Phillies, you know, they got to start doing some serious damage if they want to make that move. Because although the Braves lost last night, they have been playing some really, really good baseball yeah. uh, since the trade deadline. They, they look like a team that's prepared to win the division again. Um, and that's kind of, you know, they've been very quietly, very, you know, sneaky with their approach this season. They didn't make any crazy moves at the deadline. They just added some depth across the board. Um, but they, they've they been playing good baseball. Uh, you know, hopefully the Yankees do us some more help these next two days. But they the Phillies definitely have to – they got to go on another eight-game winning streak. You know, they got to gotta win seven of their next ten. They got to do something to start making up that ground. For sure. And uh, to, to go – to coexist with the Phillies run coming up here, I mean, the Braves play – a tough stretch here. I think they got the Yankees now, obviously they got the Giants and the Dodgers on deck. So uh, this, if you look at the remainder of the schedule, aside from when they play head to head with Atlanta, this is your best opportunity to make up ground. Um, so we'll see if they're able to, I think it's key that you get to that Atlanta series at the end of the year, even if you're three games out, you know, give yourself a chance um, because I think that that looms large. I mean, they're four and a half out, but they still play Atlanta for three. Um, so there is still that opportunity to make up ground directly head-to-head against the Braves. Um, I do believe it's a two-team race at this point. It's Atlanta's kind of running away with it at the moment. But, you know, hopefully, you know, you know we still have some some show to go here. But next time we hop on the microphone, hopefully the Phillies have closed the gap because they're 
They're four and a half out again, David. This is where they've been all year. We've, we've been in this spot all season long. Um, if anything, and it, you know, we didn't even mention that we were going to discuss this, but if anything can good can come out of what the Phillies have done so far this year, they don't make the playoffs. Hopefully the front office can see that eight-game winning streak, how it kind of electrified the city. You know, and what this this fan base will do when you're winning. You know what I mean? Like maybe that will encourage Middleton to go over the tax now to to do whatever it takes to win because David, they won eight in a row. Like it's not, you know, it happens in a season. You know, um the the Yankees just won ten in a row. Like teams do this. Uh and the fan base got behind the team. So if anything, hopefully that's the best thing that can come out of it, you know, if they don't make the playoffs is the front office can see, okay, we, if we do put a winner on the field, people will come. So, you know, I don't know. Looking for a silver lining. Well, a little Field of Dreams reference there at the end. Yeah, yeah. Unintentionally. <laughs> Unintentionally. <laughs> so. um, yeah. No, I mean, you make really good points. Um, you know, there's always kind of the running joke of is, is Philadelphia a football town or a baseball town? I, I, I think it's a baseball town. I think it's a very underrated baseball town. I think there's nothing quite like a fully packed Citizens Bank Park where every single person in that stadium is there for baseball, not just the atmosphere. They're not just there yeah. to hang out with their friends. They're there to watch baseball. Um, I remember I keep I keep thinking back to the uh, you know the shot of Zach Wheeler, his final pitch against the Mets when he threw that complete game shutout. The yep. place went nuts, and it gave me you know oh eight oh nine. Uh, that era yeah. gave me those types of vibes, and it, it's right there again. I think. The key point is the fan base is also not stupid. Um, they're very smart, and they see through the BS. And the second yeah. this team got swept by Arizona, everyone was like, "All right, we've we've seen this before. <laughs> we know what's happening. Like we're we're done. You got to prove to us you're a good baseball team again." Um, so you know, we talk about being four and a half games back. We talk about the schedule. Um, the Phillies once again, they got to prove. They're a good baseball team because at the moment they're they're going to miss the playoffs again, and, and we'll be starting up our offseason pods, which is not something not something I want to do. I'm sure you no. don't want to do it either. Like we're not there yet. No, and I mean we're 124 games into the season now, and we mentioned it on the last show. I just can't believe that we're almost finished here. They only have 38 games to go. We're in the, we're in the stretch run now. Um, the Eagles are getting ready to to get going. Really no expectations for the birds this year. Uh, but I'm not ready for the season to end, David. So let's uh, let's just try to squeeze as much as we can out of this because you're right. Before you know it, man, it's going to be December. Uh, it's going to be at least not for, for me, not for you down, you know, in the hotbed of Texas. But it's going to be miserably cold. Uh, I'm going to have to suffer through trying to convince myself that the Flyers are good, which I do every year. I try to convince myself. Uh, you know, good to watch Ben Ben Simmons just brick jump jump shots. I mean, we're not going to have the fills, so try. I'm going to try to enjoy these last 38 games. I hope that there's more, but uh, you know, these last 38, I'm going to try to enjoy them as much as I can. Yeah, I, I had someone on Twitter respond to one of my tweets about the Phillies saying, "Come on, dude, it's football season." Like, no, I'm not there yet. It's oh, it's, it's August. Like, we're still playing. Look, man, I, I look at the Phillies like the Eagles. Uh, like uh, the mentality that people have about the birds. Like, that's where I'm at with the Phillies. That's why me and you are doing this Phillies. This is a Phillies podcast. 
Yeah, not many people have the shows where it's dedicated to one team. Yeah, that's why we're here because there there are Eagles. You know what I mean? So it's not football season. It's it's Philly season. It's baseball season. One hundred percent. Um. Yeah. All right. So shifting gears back to kind of some of the the topics we had today, Kevin. Uh, Alec Bohm. Oh my goodness. Philly's top hitting prospect in a decade. Um, placed second in the rookie of the year's voting last year. We really, really thought this guy was going to be, I, I had him penciled as a potential all-star yeah. uh, heading into this year. And obviously, you know, those expectations were probably a little bit aggressive, but just, you know, you, you looked at the back. Fired up. Yeah. You, you look at the profile, you know, you got a six, five, uh, you know, 240 plus monster at the plate. Like we all felt very good about this kid. Um, the bat started to heat up in the second half. The defense never followed suit. Kevin, the Phillies sent Bohm down to triple a when they activated Reese Hoskins. What are your thoughts on, I mean, this is a big decision. A lot of people kind of played it off as, as this was always going to happen. This is not, this is not normal Massive decision. This is a huge decision. He's not going to be there, uh, you know, for these next couple of weeks. They'll probably get him back up here in September. Um, maybe not. They might keep him down in AAA. But like, th- th- this is a controversial move, Kevin. What What are your thoughts on the uh, the decision? I think I've made. I, I don't know. Like, at least on Twitter, I've made it clear how I feel. Uh, I wrote an article recently for Section Two One Five. I think it's. This is not saying Boehm hasn't been bad in the field, especially because he has he has no doesn't hit for power. But the Phillies like rationale of we want to clear his head, he's struggling, uh, we can't play him every day, you know, it's weighing on him too much. We you just want him to get to get right. We're gonna send him to the minor leagues, he's gonna get it figured out. I mean, David, they're playing Brad freaking Miller every day, who I love Brad Miller. He here's his numbers since since June 1st, this is Brad Miller, in 61 games, he has 30 starts in that time. Most of them come in the last month, pretty much. David, he's hitting 156 in that span with a 280 on base, 639 OPS. He has seven homers, ten, uh, three doubles, and a triple. So he has nine singles because he has 20 hits in that time. He has 48 strikeouts, David. Uh the rationale of we're going to send Bohm down because he's struggling, who in that same time frame uh, since June 1st, Bohm's hitting 291 with a 359 on base. He's not slugging too much. His OPS is only 744, but he's hitting the ball and he's getting on base. And the Phillies are 32 and 26 in his appearances in that time span. Whereas with Brad Miller, 32 and 29, so it's not drastically different. But you, you get the point I'm trying to make here is. They they are using that excuse with Alec Boehm of we want to get his head cleared, but then instead they're going to play Brad Miller, who's offered you nothing uh, for two and a half months now outside of the, the occasional home run that he runs into. Um, it's just it's very Phillies esque to prioritize playing a soon to be thirty two year old that turnover guy who used the third overall pick on um, in two thousand eighteen and. You know, just kind of just you know, kills the guy's confidence. I know he's been struggling, but I don't know. The, the bats disappeared in Arizona. Boom was barely playing. I would rather have Boom in the lineup than Brad Miller. I, you know, I, it is what it is. But I guess now with Hoskins back, you know, it, it changes things a little bit. But I just – I don't understand the Phillies' handling of these younger players. 
Yeah, and you know, the, the, we I've heard the same logic of you know get Bones head cleared for twenty twenty two. Get him, get him playing time. Yeah, you know, like what get are you him, talking about? Like, look, the, you want to know the best way to teach a guy to hit MLB pitching or to field MLB hitting? Yeah, it's, it's to play against MLB players. Um, yep. And I mean, we've seen this the past few seasons. You know, Scott Kingery, they sent him up and down. Like, oh, we got to clear his head. It didn't work. Spencer Howard last year. Oh, you know, we'll send him down. You know, clear his head. We'll have him start in AAA, get ready. It didn't work. Um, you know, there, there's so many. Adam Hazley, up and down, clear his head, didn't work. Um, you know, there's so many examples of that not working. And I think the Phillies kind of just use it as – and it's crazy because – the front office has flip-flopped all over the place the last couple of years, and they still don't appropriately handle their, their young talent. It's like, look, Alec Bone, he's not a good fielder. We get it. He probably shouldn't be a third base. He should be a first baseman. He should be a left fielder. You're four and a half games out. You're two games over 500. Yeah. You're not in this position where you're this, oh, this juggernaut that just has no room for a young talent. We're trying to win now. It's like, no. He's your best young hitter. He's been hitting 300-plus the last month and a half. Like he should be out there. Um, yeah. For if nothing else, just for the experience of playing in in close important ball games down the stretch in late August and September. Like this is a guy, whether they believe it or not. Like he has to be good if this team is going to be a consistent, you know, postseason contender the next couple of years. They need him to be a piece, no matter whether it's at cleanup, whether it's at leadoff, whether it's at left field, whether it's as the DH. Like they need him to be a piece. I think just giving up because that's what it feels like. It feels like they gave up Um, throwing them down to the minor league so that they can use, you know, Freddie Galvez, Ronald Torres, you know, Didi Gregorius, like these guys, you know, Andrew McCutcheon who struck out five times uh, the other night, like to use these guys probably aren't going to be on the team next year who aren't really offering a whole lot. Like none of these guys are insane at the plate or in the field. You know, Therese has been a nice piece, but, like, let's be real. He, he's not an everyday player. He should not be an everyday player over Alec Bohm. Uh, like, to, to value any of those guys and their at-bats um, and their playing time over Alec Bohm, I just it, – it, it's really hard for me to wrap my head around that logic. Yeah, if anything, I would like Therese uh, – because I, I like Ronald Therese now as well. You know, big fan. You know, we were hard on him, but uh, he's, he's a piece of the puzzle now. But – they, they, they never really seem to utilize the defensive replacement late in games. Uh, they did a few times with Bone, but that's something I probably would have looked at on a little bit more. You mentioned left field. Hopefully, if anything, we can get him some reps in the outfield now that he's down in AAA. They, they already said they're not going to do that. <sighs> yeah. Well, what are we doing? <laughs> I don't know. They're just going to keep running him at third base, I guess. And just have Is him it why, though? He's not going to stick there. He's, there's no way he sticks at the hot corner. He's not playing either corner. I don't even know if he can play first base. He's it's, Kevin. There's no there's no six five third baseman in baseball. It's just not like yeah, you know. And they tried because he's an athlete. He's very athletic. He moves pretty well. Um, he's got like half decent hand eye coordination. He's got a good arm, but it's like he's just in my opinion. He's he's a, he's a corner outfielder. I think you can I, stick out left he, field. I think he's athletic enough. He could be a decent one. I I think he'd be a better option right now than Andrew. Yeah. And like, you can, I mean, I don't know. Like, we, we talked about this, but, like, you, you can hide a guy in the outfield, in left. If you get a good defensive center fielder, which is something the Phillies need to do, um, you can like, kind of hide somebody out there. They did it with Burl. They did it with Ibanez. Um, 
he did it with Reese Hoskins in 2018. You know, like you can kind of stick somebody out in left field and kind of just, you know, hey, man, you know, make the simple plays. You don't got to do anything crazy. Because uh, I saw this debate on Twitter the other day about how, like, oh, well, he's, he's not going to be a good defensive left fielder anyway. Yeah, you can get away with that a little bit more than a guy playing third base where the ball gets hit at him all the time. So. Just, just catch <laughs> catch the flyouts and, and yeah. throw the balls off the wall and throw them back. Yeah, in. yeah I'm like, get I mean, your angles down, you know, cut cut the ball off if you need to. Hit your cutoff, man. Kevin, I, I, like I, said, I watched the Yankees game last night, and they had an outfield of Gallo, who's a very good defender, but, like, he's yes. not – He's not nimble. I was going to say, he's he's a good defender. <laughs> but they had Gallo, Aaron Judge, and John Carlos Stanton. As yeah, outfield. it's and crazy. Guess what, Kevin? It wasn't a problem. In fact, Judge made an incredible play in center field because he was so tall. He covered like 80 feet in three seconds because he's just yeah. a giraffe out there. Um, you know, he, I agree. Like, But there's got to be a plan. This, this Dude, kind of feels like, like play, the Braves are playing Azuna and left. Uh, like there are some really bad outfielders, man. Uh, like, come on. He could play out there. But even to take that one step further, even if they're not going to stick him in the outfield, I would still rather just continue to play Bowman at third base over a Torres or a Galvez or whatever yeah, yeah. And, and rotate yeah. DD out or, you know, whoever. Like, there's other ways to keep Bowman in the lineup, um, but not anymore because he's in Triple H. He's, he's not here. Yeah. Hopefully he's back in September, which is, what, like two, a week away? Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, if that's your plan, Okay. What was, <laughs> like, cool. what was the point of option in them? Like, just wasted an option. But um, yeah, I'm not so sure. And that, that just kind of ties into, you know, we didn't have this on our notes, but I kind of wanted to bring it up. Like the whole Freddie Galvis thing in hindsight hasn't even played yet, David. It's August 24th. They traded for him at the deadline. He's not even here yet. Like, why did we trade for him? That felt like the biggest PR. Like in hindsight, like <laughs> when, when the trade first happened, we were like, okay, like Freddie Galvis, he's a really yeah, good for sure. Like in hindsight, it felt like a PR move where they could be like, hey, everybody, we got we got Freddie Galvis back. Like, did they know he was still going to be out? Like, they, we're coming up on a month, man. It's Gibson's made five appearances, four starts. It's been a couple weeks. Like, like, why, like, what is wrong? Like, did they know it was this serious? I sure hope not. I mean, Kevin, like, last time I checked, Galvis was hitting two of 14 in AAA. Like, he's not playing well in AAA. Like, he's not ready. He's not He's not good right now. Like, yeah. I'm not, like, Torres is probably better. Yeah, I mean, look, I still want them to get him back for his glove. But it's at this point, it's kind of just like, I can't believe he's still not here. And I don't even know what his timetable is. I have no clue. I, don't, I haven't heard anything. Of, multiple times earlier in the month I heard this weekend, this weekend, which we just heard, not to get off topic, but we just heard this for a week and a half straight. Oh, he should be good tomorrow. We're, we're hoping for tomorrow with Reese Hoskins. They said tomorrow like six days in a row, Dave. It got to the point where I texted I'm like, they need to stop saying tomorrow and just be like, you know, we're, we're hoping we can get him back soon. Um, we won't get too far into it because we are wrapping up here soon, but their mismanagement of the injured list this year is one of the most underrated things that we haven't talked about enough. They do not know how to use the injured list. They've mismanaged it consistently. Um, there's no communication with anybody to know what's going on. Um, it's been pretty horrible, man. 
it's a shame because it's just been a consistent theme all year where they're holding on the hope and they're holding on the hope and they're holding on the hope. And then the guy gets put on the aisle anyway. So uh, that's something that needs to be reevaluated moving forward as well. But get back to the main point. I can't, I can't believe that Galvis is still not here. Yeah, just my, my one quick comment on the injury list is they've played a lot of games this year with a short bench, which is not, not something uh, you want to see. Um, all right, but pivoting to our last they, they had the one game where they had um, Vince and Wheeler pinch hit, didn't they? Mm-hmm. They were not short. Mm-hmm. Like, that that's bad. Yeah, uh, I think that was a game where Bryce and JT were both injured, but sitting in the, sitting in the dugout. Um, all right, so pivoting to our last point here. We've already started to run a little bit late. Uh, Destiny Legardo, Phillies Nation, friend of the pod, she tweeted out yesterday a poll, and I just thought it was an interesting poll that I wanted to bring up on the podcast. She said, which soon-to-be free agent pitcher would you sign to a one-year extension right now? And the options were Hector Neres, Archie Bradley, and Ian Kennedy. Kevin, I want to hear your thoughts, and then I will give mine. Um, I would probably sign Neres and Bradley. Depends on how expensive Kennedy is. What if you had to pick one? I had to pick one guy. Yes, because that, that her poll said to pick one. Oof, that's tough because I want to say Archie Bradley, but with the his peripherals would suggest that Neris would be the m- more likely one to have success. I guess it really, man, that's tough. I'm putting you uh, on the spot. I'm, I'm going to say Bradley. Okay. Just because I've, you know, Hector Neris has been here eight years. I, I know the Hector Neris experience. I uh, I voted Archie Bradley myself. Nice. Um, right. I know, and I, I've been critical of him, but I think yeah. he's really uh, – I think there's something to be said. And we've talked about this a lot, knowing how to win. And I think Ar- Archie's just a dude. I think he goes out there. He wants to be pitching the eighth inning. He wants to be pitching 40 pitches if he can get there. Um, I think he's a dude. I think he's good for the clubhouse. Yep. Um, I think he's a guy who – Honestly, he should probably retire a Philly if he wants to stay here. Uh, so yeah, I'm Team Archie. Bring him back. I, I think they will for what it's worth. I think he'll two seven five man. I would agree. I would think he would be back. He has seven wins, which is pretty crazy. Two seven five ERA. And look, we've been critical of uh, his FIP, FIP, which has been pretty high all year. It's down like a whole run since the last time we talked. What's about it now? It's still four seventy, four point seven zero, five seven. It was like five eight something at one point. So it. He's at least been come, been you know more productive lately, and ultimately, like yeah, that that stat is important to me. But yeah, ERA is more important. So even if he is being you know at times he's been lucky, okay, that's fine. You know, it's nice to be on the right side of that for once. Yeah, uh, he would be my first choice. But my, my kind of follow up point to that is I quote tweeted the poll and I said if they're all willing to sign back, I'd probably bring all three back. And my, yeah. my logic there was, I, you know, I like what Archie brings to the clubhouse. I think he can continue to be an eighth inning guy for the team moving forward. Kennedy's older. Uh, I want to say he turns 37 in December. Uh, not a lot of stuff there, but it, it's kind of the same thing. We're like, look, Kevin, the Phillies, <laughs> Phillies can't nitpick with their bullpen. Um, if Kennedy continues to, to get saves for them, because he's been pretty good. Uh, we didn't talk about it. We'll probably get to it next episode, just about him and Gibson, kind of the roles they've played. Um, Kennedy's largely done what they've asked him to do. He had a huge save against the Padres yep. um, during the start. Did not think he had that in him. He did. Uh, struck out Machado to end the game. That's impressive. Um, 
So if he's if he wants to come back, especially I mean he signed a minor league deal with the Rangers last year. So I'm, my hope is he's not asking for a whole lot of money. Yeah. Uh, you bring him back, and then with Hector, Hector's tricky because I agree with you. I think sometimes there's a point of saying, "Look, man, you've been here a long time. You haven't had a whole lot of success with you on the roster. Um, you know, you're asking for too much money. You probably get more money to be a closer somewhere else. Go pursue that option." Um, I do see that side of the argument. With that said, if Hector is willing to come back to continue to pitch in this middle relief role, which he's been so much better at, Kevin. I don't have the numbers on me right now. He has been so much better pitching in the yes. sixth and seventh inning. Who would have thought? It's almost as if we knew all along that he wasn't closing. And, Kevin, he's given them multiple innings because he's doing yeah. it so efficiently. He's taken down the sixth. He's taken down the seventh. He's done for the day. It's he's just, just he so took down better. the second at one point. I mean, this guy's all over the place. Um, yes. Yeah. I, I've given him the nickname No Ninth Nears. Just keep him out of the ninth inning, and he's mm-hmm. one of the team's best relievers, if not their best relievers. So if he's yep. willing to come back in that role, um, he's never played for another team, so there's a chance he takes a hometown discount. I'm all for it. They can't pay him $5 million to be a middle reliever. That's not going to work. Um, but if he's willing to but, take – See, that's the issue. If you're not going to pay him what you're paying him this year, I don't I don't see a way that he comes back. Which is, I think, what they'll get to. I think there will be a team willing to throw him you know, a whole lot of money to be a closer, and it's like, hey, good luck. Um, yeah. We've seen that before. But, yeah, so that, that was kind of my, my just quick follow-up point is that – Well, I to, to, ha- to go off of your question – I, while you were talking there, I pulled up Archie Bradley's last 33 games is what it came out to. So since May 29th, he's made 33 appearances. This is an interesting stat. They're 22-11 and 11 in his appearances since then. Probably has to do more so with he's pitching in big spots, you know, they're, when they're trying to protect the lead. Um, 1.89 ERA, David. 1.89 Two, uh, 231 batting average against in that time. OPS is very strong as well at only 640. Uh, he's been very good. You know, he started the year rough. He had the oblique injury in April. He's been very good now for a, for the, most of the years, pretty much since he's come back. 189 ERA since the end of May. So, yeah. Um, you know, I've been an Archie Bradley guy the whole way, so. I'm more than more than happy to bring him back. Like you said, I'm open to Naris as well. I don't know how much they're going to give him. Um, Kennedy, yeah, I'm, I'd be fine either way. Yeah, and I think with Archie, because I've been critical because a lot of his you know analytics based numbers have not been good this year. But I think we've reached a point in the sample size where we can say we've seen two completely different pitchers. We've seen oblique yes. injury Archie Bradley at the beginning of the year. And now we've seen healthy Archie Bradley, and as you just pulled up, sub sub two ERA, batting average in the two thirties, whole lot of you know high leverage spots where the team is going on to win the baseball game because Archie is bridging them to the ninth inning. Um, so yeah, I think he's a very valuable piece. He's not striking out a ton, but he's getting a lot of weak contact, which I think is big. If you're not going to strike somebody out, you need to limit the damage that they're going to do. Absolutely. And then, like I said, I, that the Phillies can't be picky. Look, they tried to get real cute this offseason with the Alvarado and the Coonrod deals, um, bringing in these high strikeout guys. Uh, it just didn't really work. So if you have these, man, I, you know. yeah, if these older yeah. veterans want to come in and get a bunch of ground balls, I mean, we've seen it with Kyle Gibson. We've seen it with Kennedy. We've seen it with Archie Bradley now. Um, obviously, the Phillies got to do some work 
on their defense in the offseason to make them even better. Yeah. But look, if these guys want to come back, you know, we start fleshing out a bullpen to where we don't have to start with the Brandon Kinslers of the world. Um, I don't know who am I missing. There's so many other I mean, you know, the Chase well, Andersons well, in the bullpen. Hold your tongue, man. Don't speak ill of Brandon Kinsler, dude. His dad his dad might come after you. Uh, that's a story for another time. Um <laughs> <laughs> Brandon Kinsler's not Brandon Kinsler's dad is not a fan of Kev. Uh, but yeah, he's not. we'll leave it at that for now. He's not a we'll fan. Leave it at that. But you know, hopefully we can avoid those types of situations moving forward and just kind of bring back some guys who we know can be productive. I totally agree. And uh, before we wrap up here, uh, I do just want to bring up we mentioned the Gibson trade. We mentioned Kennedy. Now, this I'm not going to harp on this for long. I just want to bring the, these numbers to light. Spencer Howard has made three appearances for the Texas Rangers. The Rangers are 0-3 in his appearances. He's gone seven innings in those three starts. Seven innings total, that is. Uh, ERA of 9.82. Batting average against of 323. OPS over 900. David, he has been... Bad. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's almost as if he's a relief pitcher or something. I'm masquerading as a starter. I don't know. <laughs> Phillies won the trade in the short term. I see how it plays out long term. <laughs> yeah, no question. Not giving up hope for my boy uh, Spence. <laughs> Yo, not, not hey, giving man. up hope. I've said all along, even if he is a reliever, he's going to be a good one. Yeah, it'll be a good starter. Um, all right, so moving on. <laughs> Playing the Rays next little two-game series. Ranger Suarez takes game yeah. one. Zach Wheeler takes game two. I'm feeling a two-game sweep. I don't know what other option there is in this scenario. That's just what's going to happen. Um, the Rays. No question. Are, they're home. There's no doubt they're going to sweep. Yeah, Rays are bad. Um, you know, not nearly as well run as the Phillies. So I'm feeling a, a two-game sweep. Well, at least they got two of their better arms on the mound. Suarez has been. A mixed bag. I'd like to see some more distance from him. They finally got him stretched out. So let's see if he can put together a six or seven inning outing. And then they got Wheeler, who is coming off his worst outing of the year against the Arizona Diamondbacks, which is just insane. Uh, yeah. You know, tonight's a big one because the Phillies, they're, they're, they're facing that old fickle uh, fellow TBD on Wednesday. We don't, you know. He's a tough cookie. They faced him a lot this year. Uh, so luckily they have Wheeler on the mound for that outing. But tonight's a big one because with Wheeler lurking, Phillies can steal one tonight. Then that, that two-game sweeps right there for you with Wheeler on the mound. Uh, we'll see how it goes. You know, I'm kind of just you know trying to bite my tongue and just see what happens. Uh, <laughs> real quick point before we get off. I feel like the Phillies are the only team in baseball with a rotation. Like like a set five they man rotation. T- they face to be determined at least once a series. Every single series. Something something's like, I don't know who's pitching today. Like figure it out, guys. Yeah, <laughs> like my out. goodness, there's been I, I didn't realize how many there was until I started doing this thing, you know, for our YouTube channel, uh, where I'm filling in who's pitching each day. It's amazing how many to be determined <laughs> there are in baseball. And I I'll give the Phillies, you know, Dombrowski, Girardi, whoever, like I'll give them a little bit of credit. For going into the season and like three, not four of their starting pitchers, I mean, between Anderson, Moore, Vince at one point, and now Eflin, 
like aren't in the rotation right now and they yeah. still manage to build and they know five man rotation. Yeah. And like granted, yeah. like Ranger we didn't get into today, hasn't looked great as a starter. But they do have a five man rotation where they're like, This these are our five guys, they are gonna pitch. Yeah. And you mentioned Deflin. He he started his rehab rehab assignment as well. So hopefully, hopefully, David, within the next week or two, we can get him back to Philadelphia. Fingers crossed. Uh, it's been a minute since he's pitched a game for the Phillies. Um, yeah, Lord knows we need him. Yes, sir. All right. With that said, we've already run forty-five minutes on an episode that we thought we were going to do like twenty. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot to talk about. Um, you know. With that said, make sure you're subscribed on Apple, Spotify. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, yes. wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to our YouTube channel as well um, if you want to see the overlays, the, uh, the stats, whatever. Uh, we're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Uh, every single one of those links, along with our personal Twitter accounts, can be found down in the description. With that said, we will probably be back. Some point later this week. Some point, um, yeah. you know, either after the race series or – more likely after the second Diamondback series, that terrifying uh, four-game set with Arizona. Um, but we will be back. With that said, we are the Bullpen Blues Podcast, and we will talk to you in a couple of days. Go Phils.